0: So, this is the only song where you will hear David Bowie utter the words yo,
1: yo, yo. That in itself is groundbreaking. Yeah. Today, I'm from to Ziggy Black Tie, White 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 noise. Noise. Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song that exists in alphabetical order. My do, name is Travis. Do they all exist in alphabetical order? They all exist in alphabetical order. Um, That's that, the conspiracy. Oh.
0: Illuminati exposed. And my name is Thomas.
1: And today we're talking about Black Tie, White Noise. Off of the uh, 1993 album of the same name. Oh, man. Where to begin? There's so much to talk about with this song. Since it's our first foray into Black Tie White Noise, so we'll give a little black, little background on that album.
0: Yeah, well, this is a this is one of those um, sort of transition. This periods, is a bit of a transition period where it marks a major change. It does in Bowie's life in his music. This is the album that came out after, right after he married Iman, and right it's the one that follows Tin Machine too. So he, he emerges from that cocoon a new and reformed and beautiful butterfly bully, mm-hmm. um with <laughs> a shiny new style. And he brings back uh, Nile Rodgers uh, of Let's Dance fame to to give that album the the polish mm. that he...
1: Uh, he's developed over all those years um, for the uninitiated Nile Rodgers. uh was big in the 70s, funk and disco scenes. He was in... Is uh, it Chic? Is that mm-hmm. the name of the band? Right. Did Le Freak. That's whatever that's what he's best known for. But it feels like a lot of times if you like look through a lot of the more popular songs of that era, he's got his fingerprints on him somewhere, whether it's just playing guitar or producing or having a hand in the songwriting. Nile Rogers is everywhere. Yeah. Immensely talented. And um, did you know that some consider this to be his best album since Scary Monsters? Is that right? <laughs> and but at its surface, it really is just like a it's it's pop bowie. It's just it's basically it's like What he was doing in the 80s, just more refined, less bloated, a little sleeker, but not in that like 80s pop sheen way, but it was just like very, it was like 90s pop sheen. Until Bowie comes in, it really does feel like a lot of like the pop that was coming out at that time.
0: Which Bowie? And
1: uh, The only Bowie on
0: this song. (laughs) No, no, one of two Bowies on this song. Lester Bowie
1: on trumpet. No, no relation the trumpets remind me more of like the hip-hop that was going on at that time because in like 93 93 94 there's kind of this reaction to the popularity of gangster rap and there was rap that was coming out that was more jazz influenced that was around the time that like um i don't know if you remember that song rebirth of slick by diggle planets was really big and uh, "Cantaloupe" by Us Three. Oh yeah, right. Um, so it was kind of like this, r- and um, "Lucas with the Lid Off" was a really cool tune from that time too. Um, but there was like kind of this rise of more jazz-influenced rap. Yeah, and the trumpets in the song really kind of remind me of that.
0: There's that, and then there's also New Jack Swing, which also has this that kind of jazziness to it, at least with the rhythm and the just the sort of vibrancy the atmosphere that yeah. those songs try to evoke and you know and, and it, it, it as opposed to the oppressive oppressive uh dirge of of gangster rap
1: yeah although yeah. i do i i do really enjoy gangster rap um uh, more than i'm probably supposed to <laughs> well, it's the light um, and the dark yeah
0: two sides of the same coin Ebony um, in the
1: ivory, ivory, if you will. You can, you can just feel that people who actually produce gangster rap rolling their eyes at the thought of a like thirteen-year-old white kid from Connecticut listening to Gin and Juice and just really digging it. Um, but it really, it he achieved what he wanted to do um, as far as in getting some of that like old-school feel and some of the newer music because the '90s were kind of a big R&B revival, but it was more hip-hop based, and he wanted to kind of bring some of that 60s feel back to it.
0: Mm. Do you think he succeeded? Did he bring the
1: 60s R&B back? Yeah, I was. I mean... Is
0: there any 60s R&B in this In, in this, this song,
1: song um, the backing vocals, way it kind of repeats. And
0: the female vocals? The female
1: vocals in there, yeah.
0: Speaking of vocals...
1: Speaking of vocals...
0: We haven't even mentioned... The- <laughs> this song is on the single. This is listed as not David Bowie. This is David Bowie featuring... Al will be sure yes the, the most only?
1: excessively punctuated name in the history of popular music
0: <laughs> i don't know of any other uh the only other name
1: i can think of with two punctuation marks in it would be like will i am from the black eyed peas
0: this does have two punctuation marks. it has does so it? much
1: punctuation um so it's al b period sure exclamation point uh sure i guess sure i mean which really it probably should have been more of that (laughs) yeah maybe it should
0: be a period it probably should be a period (laughs) maybe we're like an an
1: ellipsis (laughs) sure so i guess yeah let's get to let's get into this song which um first of all so i remember a conversation we had after a better future we were talking about in a podcast with Kind of a lighter tone. It's best to avoid certain heavy topics. Yeah. On that note, are we all are we going to bring these up? Let's talk about race. <laughs> nah, we're not really going to dive too far. I mean, we probably should. That's what all my notes had to do with. All about race. Yeah. <laughs> yes. okay. I mean, that's what the song's about. It's about race. It's hard to avoid
0: race. So, all right, here's the things that are off limits. Current events.
1: Current events. Current events might be hard if if extremely a extremely song...
0: divisive and controversial subjects. Maybe we should
1: have waivers for listeners.
0: We can talk about police brutality, but only if it has to do with Rodney King.
1: it has ah. been enough time. All right. And
0: that's, but that's it. So we won't get into... The, I, I was planning on I not really, really getting... Down.
1: I didn't want to get too far into like current stuff because I, I didn't have any intention of that. Um, other than to say that this happened after the L.A. riots and there was never any police brutality or anything awful that happened again. We solved, we solved race, guys. Hooray! Yeah.
0: Hooray um, exclamation point.
1: Hooray exclamation point.
0: Hooray ellipsis.
1: Um,
0: so, yeah. Uh, so this happened during the L.A. riots. So This happened during the L.A. riots. So the, the day so- that Iman uh, and Bowie came home or came to America to look for a home to buy in Los Angeles is the day
1: that the LA riots yes. broke out. Oh, quick aside. Yeah. And it's just something I found interesting and intriguing about the title of the record. So, Black Tie, White Noise, having been someone who wasn't really super familiar with it previously. Now, I don't have the most vivid recollection of the music video or of knowing the song, but I feel like I may have heard it along the way when I was younger, and that was what kind of made me not jump as... It, into Bowie as early into life as I should have, because it, it didn't really jive well with what my tastes were at that time. So, like, as an adult, hearing, like, black tie, white noise, I feel like this is... You hear that title, and you feel like it's just sound more like a Tin Machine record. Like, it feels like it's got that kind of vibe to it. Well, it says noise. Noise. This it's is not the noise. This is not the noisiest song. So, you, you, you kind of picture, like, of someone dressed very dapper, but then that, like, juxtaposition of, like, dapper, but, like noisy. Um, and he talks about, like, the the black ties. Like um, like Scott, uh, Scott Wayland. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, also very Bowie-influenced. Right. Um, That's the only reason I know who he is. Oh, man, I could talk about, I could talk about stone Temple piles for hours. Um, so he, 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 but he was referring more to, like, I mean, there was some of the juxtaposition of him and his wife, how she's kind of, like, more... Formal, and he's kind of this, like, abrasive. Um, But also he's making (laughs) reference to, like, the black ties to his musical influences. Um, How he grew up on Little Richard and Coltrane and how he was always kind of influenced by by black culture.
0: Yeah, and then he did, the way he did uh, the Philly Soul album, Young Americans, Luther Vandross, Ava Cherry. What else? Uh, And then this album here it has got Lester Bowie on trumpet.
1: Uh, Niall Rogers is producing... Yeah. Um, a lot of black ties. So, suffice to say, even though he's not a member of the community, when the riots happened and we saw the the Roddy King tape, I'm sure it affected him very much. Because he is kind of one of those people that gets away... Like, I mean, the phrase cultural appropriation really wasn't so much of a thing back then. But, like, if... If the context of his career was happening now, where that is a thing, he is kind of one of those people that would get away with it because he does it in a way that's tribute and it doesn't feel like appropriation. So like if he was witnessing these things happening, it probably it wouldn't come off as it's like a like oh white person. Why are you talking about this? Like he actually does have some, you know, some credit Mm -hmm. behind him. So, yeah, you're uh, they get to L.A. It's the
0: same day that the riots break out there. There's a curfew. They're told to stay in their hotel room in the high rise hotel. And they're looking down, and they're watching fires break out, and looting, and all this chaos. And
1: do you remember them pretty vividly? The, the riots.
0: I do remember because a friend of mine moved to LA just before they broke out, uh, and I was watching on TV, not really understanding what was going on. But what's going on? But so he writes. He writes this song, f- and and it's this is a direct. Uh, reaction to that night. So he writes this song. It's one of these race-relation message songs, but it's also kind of a parody of that genre as typified by things like Ebony and Ivory and some songs that he he calls out by name. We Are the World. um, And what else? Uh,
1: We Are the World, Uh, What's Going On, We Shall Overcome, and inexplicably that... You know, that big race song, I Got You, Babe. Don't really know why they threw that in there. Um, well, it's a duet. Yeah. <laughs> right? I guess. I guess. So he was kind of, he was railing against what he referred to as that like, white liberal guilt.
0: He said, uh, he said, we're far too keen as white liberals to suggest to black people how they should improve their lot. And they don't want to hear it anymore. They've got their own ideas how they can improve their lot. They could give a bleep what we think. They don't want our advice. Yeah. And it's still it really is like a still a very timely quote. It's kinda of condescending. It's a like, little
1: condescending to, to
0: say, oh, well, you know Wait, what he saying or like? No, what are you it's, no the to? whole the whole message of white liberals yeah. trying to okay. um, I'm with you then. Trying to They're really just songs like We Are the World, We Are the Children, that or Black or White, you know, the Michael Jackson song are just they're not really finding a unity. They're just kind of stroking the ego of anybody who happens to believe that way, but they, they do really
1: fix They anything. feel like they're helping because they like it.
0: Yeah. It's like
1: the, yeah. Gives like them good,
0: who, gushy feelings yeah. inside.
1: It's like people who participate in like hashtag activism now.
0: Yeah, it's like slacktivism. Yeah. It's the, it's the 90s equivalent. There's another cool quote from Bowie, another interview where he said, if we can start recognizing and appreciating the differences between ourselves and not look for white sameness within everybody then we have a much better chance of creating a real and meaningful integration you were talking about cultural appropriation earlier this is like Bowie's uh this is a topic that's come up a lot more recently too just not not trying to erase culture or history not not deny any cultural heritage not try to apply some false safe homogeneity to America as like a melting pot, but there's, there's, you have different elements that, and if you, if you recognize, the point is not to, you know, mix black and white and come out with some mucky gray, it's to appreciate what every
1: individual has. I was having a conversation with someone and, and they said that the best way to look at it and the healthiest way to look at it is not to look at America as the melting pot, but more as like the salad bowl. like you've got all these elements like clearly the lettuce is the lettuce and clearly the carrots are the carrots and clearly the cucumbers are the cucumbers but like you need all the elements in the bowl to make the salad really good you know when you're interacting with the cucumber you're appreciating that yes it's a cucumber and it's got its own thing going on and it's different from the, the lettuce but yeah together while bringing their own individual personalities to the bowl they're har- you know working in harmony together.
0: Cucumber and celery, <laughs> <laughs> crunch together in harmony.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's again yeah, he's so ahead of his time.
0: Yeah, so yeah, the whole that whole cultural appropriation thing, yeah. which we where did it come up? Oh yeah, episode number one, we talked about cultural appropriation. <laughs> Started it out really heavy. Yeah, he was oh he was ahead of the curve in you know kind of stamping that out. Bowie invented uh, what's that called? Not being Bowie invented not being racist. <laughs> <laughs> the very <laughs> concept of not being racist. By appreciating differences
1: and not like trying to yeah.
0: ignore. So let's get into this song itself.
1: Yeah. So here's what happens though, now that we've really like puffed this song up as being this like beacon of forwarding racial harmony. So it, it's meant to be this very sarcastic response to these other songs that really are just glossed over versions of how life really is. But in the process, it still sort of becomes that because so many of the lyrics really are just like so cringe worthy. Like the parts where he's talking about like, I look into your eyes and I know you won't kill me and I'll turn my back on you cause I know you won't kill me.
0: But that's so delightfully absurd. It is. It's, it's like the faintest praise. I trust you because, not because I see you as an equal. I think that we're, we're both, you know, members of society who subscribe to certain mores and norms, such as don't kill other people. <laughs> I, those things are not assumed. Right. I've had to convince myself that you won't kill me. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, but yeah, I, I, I'm I, pretty sure you won't kill me.
1: And it's, it, it would be a far more, it, like, it's an interesting sentiment because it really does lay down, like, what the bears to minimum, you know, for race relations. But it's the delivery is so clunky that you do start to feel like you're in the middle of one of those, like, preachy race songs. And he's like, I'll let you put your hands on me and call me brother and everything. And you're just like, oh, this is turning into being so on the nose that it feels corny. Yeah. And then like, thankfully, he like once again says putting on the black tie, cranking out the white noise. And that's kind of like when he talks about cranking out the white noise, that's when you feel like, okay, he is still trying to take the piss out of these other kinds of songs. Yeah. But oh, man, was that getting corny for a minute there?
0: And it really does. Yeah. Those are some really clunky, corny lines. Yeah. And I think that's the point, is it, it has to go there. It has to, he's not going to point out in a song that songs sound stupid or ineffectual without exemplifying it right. at some point. Kind of like uh, uh, Tim Dogg can't make fun of Rapper's Delight without quoting Rapper's Delight, you know, where he says, uh, I'm not going to try to quote it, Look it up, Tim Dog, where, where he does rappers delight. It's really funny.
1: It kind of so. What I was thinking about when I was listening to it is, I, and I just recently watched this um, this episode of the Goldbergs where the two younger brothers find out that the older sister, who's always kind of like tormented them, and so they find out that she's this like new kids on the block super fan. And they start to like lord that over her and use that to embarrass her in front of her friends. But then they like use new kids on the block to make fun of her so much that it becomes, they actually like new kids on the block. Yeah. And also I feel like this is something that come up, came up before when we were talking about either, we might've been talking about a song or just talking about hipster culture. Or it's like you're making fun of something and you're doing something ironic to the point that it becomes genuine. Oh, yeah. The hashtag thing. The hashtag hashtag thing. The hashtag thing. You just did it. I did. And I do it without thinking about it. Yeah. is the thing I hate, I'll say hashtag and I catch myself doing this. I'm like, no.
0: Stop it. Doing doing the hashtag. Doing the hashtag like finger sign. sign. (laughs) So it... This it, is also something we talked about with Atomica, where, where we weren't sure at the end of that episode. We still, we're still not sure. I'm
1: still not sure Weichner, how serious it
0: is. If you know, if you have any ideas, let us know. Tweet at us, Facebook, whatever. Um, whether that's like genuine and earnest, kind of like, get, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> Let's rock till we explode. Oh, <laughs> right we still can't
1: get a with a straight face.
0: <laughs> like, but is it is it genuine or is he like making fun of songs like yeah. that? Um, this is this is the same kind of situation. Is it genuine or is he making fun of songs like that? Kind of both.
1: Yeah, it's just the moments where it feels like he's not. It just oh god, it gets really hard at times. I'm not my race. I am my face. That the lyrics like really early on. I've got a I've got a face, not just my race. Yeah. And then there's, like, talk about reaching across their hand, their race's hands, and th- it's just, like, it's a I lot of... I actually like that part.
0: I, I like that part in the chorus. It says, we'll reach out over race and hold each other's hands. There's two there's two versions of that chorus, like, that opens up, we reach over race and so on. There's The first one says, we die in the flames, singing we shall overcome, which is, like, this really fatalistic yeah. expression of the futility <laughs> of trying to use song to solve problems. It's not going to happen. You're not going to solve, you're not going to fix things by singing. You're going to die in the flames. So mm-hmm. this is like the first chorus is like the black experience of this racial tension and then the second ver- the second chorus reach out over race hold each other's hands. We we'll walk through the night thinking we are the world. That's like the those white liberals. They're like they've, they're so convinced through the song that they've made up that they've fixed the whole thing race is uh racism's over Race racism's yeah. over we're, we're and they're patting themselves on the back stroking their egos they're they're not really doing anything same thing this is like the white experience of this trying to fix the social systems and of course the that that's the privileged position of this whole, oh, we can fix things uh, because, you know, we're in power and we can, uh, we can fix it by just saying that we fixed it and then ignoring it right. from then on. But speaking of privilege, there's some good points in some of the verses, particularly the last verse. That's my favorite part. This is a, this is a really good part. They'll show us how to break the rules, but never how to make the rules. Reduce us down to witless punks. This is, again, that position of privilege and the media representation of the other as, you know, this violent sector of the population is causing problems. They're the they're the punks, they're the ones that break the rules, they break the law, and now they're going to be punished. But they have no opportunity to, I don't know, when he says make the rules, I'm thinking legislature, you know, like yeah. become part of the government, you know have a venue for actually fixing things. No, they don't get that opportunity, nope. because the system, because oppression, because racism. Um, all right, that's as far as I want to drag it down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's very easy to roll your eyes at white people trying to make a point at race, because a lot of times it really is just not really doing any help, and it's just doing it to like pat themselves on the back. But like Bowie seemed to have, like his heart was always in the right place when it came to that kind of thing. Like, hey, these guys really influenced me. Why aren't you doing more to... I mean, he basically owns, Like, as a white person, I'm playing music that black people created. Right. Maybe we should be giving them a lot more credit than we are. Right. So I'm gonna write this song with really great intentions that's kind of clunky at times, but still ultimately mostly gets the point across. So anything else about the
0: song itself that we should bring up before um, moving into ratings? I believe I hit all my points. Alright, so what did you think of, uh, of Black Tie, White Noise? It really,
1: it never got out of my head. It's an earworm. It's a total earworm. It makes it so hard to focus on anything else. If you're trying to think about any other songs, you just find yourself like, putting on the black tie, cranking out the white noi You know what I always thought
0: that, uh, that noi yoys was all about? And I, I can't, I can't verify that this has anything to do with this, but well, I come from a place where there's a lot of racism from both sides and you'll hear you'll hear remarks from both sides. So when I was growing up, one of the sort of stereotypes about white people was that they had really nasal sounding voices. And so Bowie does this whole this really nasal yeah. honking kind of sound.
1: Actually, Susie, I could picture like a few different black comedians like doing the, their white person impression. Yeah, like Dave Chappelle's that he used to do a lot. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Honestly, he's kind of a,
0: he's kind of adopting again. This is this is putting everything in stark contrast. This song is meant to be a parody and a caricature of black and white. Yeah. And so I think that 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 to me feels like it's supposed to be a caricature of a white person. Yeah, so I don't know if
1: I might be completely off base there, but um oh and i should also point out that this video for the second week in a row i had an excuse to watch an old video from arsenio hall but i would um i would give this song um 10 year old me would have thought this song is really cheesy because 10 year old me just wanted to listen to grunge all day 18 year old me thought this song was cheesy 30 year old 33 year old me still thinks this song is pretty, pretty cheesy, cheesy but i see it in a more endearing way yeah I, uh, if I didn't know that it was meant to be sarcastic, I would think this song is super dumb.
0: I didn't know it was meant to be sarcastic until just this moment. Like literally one second ago when you just said it. But no, not really. But, but until yesterday. Well, okay. Until like this last couple of days reading about it. Yeah, yeah. totally. It, it doesn't
1: I, sound sarcastic. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't come off that way. It's like. So if you don't have that information, you would think this song is absolutely awful. But I have really
0: started to appreciate this song, listening to it more this week. I don't think it succeeds in every respect, but I think it does what it's setting out to do and undermines the whole cheesy, useless slogan message song. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm ready to
1: give this uh, thing three slices of cheese. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have something better? I, I did not have anything better. I was like looking, I was like, any metric I come up with is going to sound racist, probably. Three so. cheeses. I'm gonna agree, I'll, I'll give it three cheeses. Thankfully the chorus comes off smart-alecky enough that it saves some of the verses, cause man, is it clunky at times. But it really does, it gets in your ears, it burrows nice and deep into your brain. And yeah, I, I really, I tend to really hate music that tries too hard to make a difference even though it's not making a difference. Although I will admit, I kinda like black or white. Mostly cause it's just like a cultural touchstone when I was I like the video yeah with
0: the, the lady changing
1: her, yeah like everything face.
0: changes and, and Michael Jackson turns into a panther at the <laughs> end and he breaks morphing. a bunch of crap there's a there's the lady at the end that uh all the people are changing into the the different people yeah it's morphing from one person to the next and then it finishes on this lady and then it cuts back and shows like the video director coming up yeah the camera and he says that was great how do
1: you do that <laughs> Fun fact about that video, I remember when it was like this big event on Fox, it came out the same day that I, so when I was younger, I had a lazy eye and I had eye surgery. And I remember coming home and I had like double vision, but I was like, I gotta watch the new Michael Jackson video. It's coming out today, it's right after the Simpsons. And that was like one of the first like cultural event, music videos of my of my life. So like, even though know, the song is corny as hell, it really, like I still hold it in this like esteem. Um, even the part where Macaulay Culkin does the rap interlude yes You know it's so the punk they play that song on the radio sometimes on one of the pop stations they listen to at work and it doesn't play the rap verse in it so I have to like try it's and fill stand. in as much of the lyrics as I can remember while I'm back there really all I can remember is like places something something faces and then it ends with him saying I'm not going to spend my life being a color uh, yeah.
0: So that that rap that rap interlude was provided by uh, MC. Well, I guess.
1: <laughs> <The> ellipsis. <laughs> was he in a band with Al Bisher? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So three slices of cheese. So yeah. Unless there's anything else. Oh,
0: other versions. Other, other versions. Covers, other versions. There's about I a zillion there's remixes. There's so many
1: remixes. I tried to listen. I was like, I'm going to listen to all the remixes. And after two, I was like, I'm done listening to all the remixes. Yeah.
0: Well, because some of the remixes are like edits of the other re- of the same remix. Yeah.
1: So, yeah it's it's just too, it's too many. There's so many. I don't think anybody has listened to all the remixes. Yeah. If you want to fall down an intense rabbit hole and report back to us. Godspeed, Um, you Black Emperor. Speaking of black, speaking of black, we're
0: going to continue our journey next week into the black. Into the black, and 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 do more songs that uh, that start with the word black. (laughs) More songs that start with black. Yeah, Uh, there's got to be some more. I mean, so at least at least a couple more episodes. So we get, so we reach the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, before we can do that. We're going
1: to be in a blackout.
0: It's a blackout. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blackout is the yeah, next song. We're, we're going
1: to talk about Blackout.
0: Yep. Join us then. Until next week, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, from AtoZiggy, from com. Subscribe and uh, leave a comment and a review on uh, and a rating on iTunes. And
1: until next week, I am Thomas. And I am Travis. Um, Putting Thomas. on the black tie cranking out the white noise do you remember regatta speed it's such an nice song i've heard a rumor from ground control oh no don't say it's true the